How'd you like that for sermon prep? Right there, getting ready there. It's good to have you here. My name is Dorsey Atkinson. I'm the pastor of Life Spring Church, and I hope that you're excited to be here today. Um, I'll need that, Lindsay. I'll, I'll just I'll need that in a minute. So, um, are you happy to be here? Yeah. All right. I want you to stay happy. I want you to stay excited because we got some good things going on now. Some of you may or may not know that we're in the middle of a message series, and it's revolving around this message of, of, of a story in the Bible that Jesus told called the parable of the talents, or the parable of the talents were a measure of gold, so, or the parable of something valuable. The, it's called, actually called the 521 challenge, is what we call it. And basically, in this story, there was a guy who had, uh, Jesus tells a story of a, uh, of a fictitious guy if you will, who had a lot of resources, had a lot of things, and he decided to go off on a journey, and he left his resources with some of his servants. In particular, it calls out three particular servants in this story. And servant number one, he, he it says according to, he left them these resources or these valuables or these bags of gold or this talent, this weight of gold, this bags of gold, he left them this amount based on their ability. So for one, to one person, he left five bags of gold. How many bags of gold did he leave with him? Five. five. And to another one, he left two bags of gold. How many did he leave? And to another one, he left one bag of gold. How many did he leave? One. So five, two, and one. And he left it according to their abilities. And he said, I don't you, and he didn't tell much, but he just went off on this journey, and he was gone for a long, long time. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it was a long time. And if you ain't got your neighbor sitting beside you, then shame on you. Bring somebody next week so you got somebody sitting beside you. No, I'm teasing. That's not. But so it was a long time that he was gone. And while he was gone, the first, the, the, the guys did something with the stuff they were given charge of. The first guy who had five and the second guy who had two, they went out and put their material, put those goods, put that gold, put that valuable resource to work. And when he put that stuff to work, they returned back more than what they originally got. In fact, they doubled it. Now, the one guy, the guy that had one bag of gold, he decided that he was just going to bury, dig a hole in the ground, bury it, and put that gold in there and hide it and protect it. Now, he was, he was a garden. He was, he was like a guard dog. He watched it day and night, just watched nothing happen. He made sure nobody stole his master's money. And then a long time, how long was it that the guy was gone? It was a long time. How long was it? And the master comes back, and when the master comes back, he says, hey, it's time to settle up the count. So the five bags of gold guy who had five bags of gold originally and the two bags of gold guy, they come and present themselves before the master, and they say, hey, here's the five bags of gold that you gave me, master, and here's five more. And the one that had two bags of gold said, hey, master, here's two bags of gold that you gave me, and here's two more. And do you know what this master said? He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Say that with me. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come on and enjoy the happiness of your master. So he tells them this. He, he tells them that. And then the one bag of gold man, he comes in. And he tells this bunch of excuses about knowing the master. Like, I really know who you are and I know how you act and function. You didn't want me to lose anything that you gave me. So I basically dug a hole, buried it, and here you go, master. He's got dirt all over him from digging it back up. And said, here's your one bag of gold. And he says, you wicked, lazy servant. Now he calls all three of them servants, but two of them who doubled the money, he called good and faithful. But this one he called wicked and lazy. And he said, you know all this stuff about me? 
and you still didn't do something, my money other than bury it, you could have gave it to, if you didn't know what to do with it, you could have gave it to a banker or somebody and drawn me some interest. Get on out of here. And he throws him out. Why did he tell us that story? Why did Jesus, in describing something or a life, tell his disciples this story? Why would he tell it knowing that his disciples would tell this story and people would tell it years and years and thousands of years and millennial years down the road after he was gone? Why would he want this story to be one of those timeless parables for people to learn? It's curious, isn't it? It's curious of why it's like it gives five bags of gold, gives two bags of gold, gives one, you know, one, two of them got well done good and faithful servant, the other one's you wicked, lazy servant. It's like, why, what does that do? Well, let me tell you what it has to do with. It has to do with Jenga. Okay? Does anybody know what the game Jenga is? Yeah. What's Jenga, Preston? If you knock it down, you lose. It's a game of skill. Did you say it takes skill to do that? Somebody else help me with Jenga. What's Jenga used for? What is, what is it? It's a bunch of blocks. It's actually, these are Jenga blocks right here. Do you see them? And, and the process of this game, or the, the premise of this game is, each one takes a turn and moves one of the blocks out. Does this sound right, Chandler? Does that, come up here a minute, please. Come, Chandler, come up here. This is, this is my, hopefully one day, future daughter-in-law there. I'm hoping something this. Chandler, uh, Crystal, you're, you're, you're a guest here. Come on up, because I just like to call you up because you're a guest. Ricky, come on up here. These three guys, have y'all played Jenga before? You understand the concept? Did you play Jenga before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So you understand the concept. So, so you, do you feel comfortable one male against two females in this game of highly skilled, delicate hands? You feel pretty good? You feel, you, you want me to go get uh, Nicole and find out how skilled you okay, okay, all right, so here we go. One of you take a chance. Rock, paper, scissors. Ready? One, two, three, go. All right, you go first. So, all right, here we go. She's pushing one out. All right, next. Everybody got the premise of this. Does everybody understand this? Who doesn't? Does everybody understand this? I'm asking a question. Y'all are watching them. Do you understand this? Brandon, come up here, please. Colby, come up here, please. Sandra, Sandra, come up here, please. Well, y'all keep going. Don't stop. This game ain't over. You guys get to play on the life-size one. <laughs> Mr. Ricky built this one. Come on up here, Sandra. Lindsay, you jump up in here, and I want y'all to start playing. So what they're doing is they're trying to remove one block at a time, put it on the top, and keep stacking it higher and higher. And while they're doing that, they're trying not to have it fall down on their time or on their watch or on their responsibility, right? Now, while they're doing this, I want you guys to hum the theme to Jeopardy, okay? Does everybody know the theme to Jeopardy? Okay. Da, 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 how do you think the eagle's going to be? You've never done this. Give it up for Sandra, who's never done this. this is about to be her first. <laughs> Keep going. Now, now, the reason that this is going on, now, listen, let me just tell you. If this message goes long, it's not my fault today. Because <laughs> I have to wait that certain things happen up here, you understand, for this message to take in form and everything. 
You did, look there, one down, that'll go and get a girl, keep going. Somebody, somebody start cheering out there. Who's your, who's, who, how many thinks Ricky's got a good hand here? Everybody? Brandon, Crystal. All right, so start cheering for your favorite one. Now cheer for them, but do it. Yeah, there you go. Or you can boo and hiss the one you're not pulling for. I'm not sure how you do that. You can go walk, 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 sit down. What do they do at Georgia Southern? What do they do? Step, 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 sit down. There you go. So they keep playing things like this. I'm like, um, you guys are studying this too much. Dude, just grab one. Look, man, look. Look, this right here. Look, look. Look how quick this is. Look, look. It just comes out. Look. I can grab this one right here. Look. Let's get that one right there. Get on out of there. What are you backing up for? What, what are you backing up for? What's coming? Come on. Come on, Sandra. Come on, girl. It's not going to bite you. you know, just like say. Who's got it going on? Who's got it going on? I'm watching, Sandra. Come on, come on. Kobe's going to do two at once. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, I'm sweating, I'm sweating. Why you got your hands behind your back? You think that's going to have some effect on that? Oh, no, my gosh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness, it's coming. Sandra, you look like you saw in wood there, girl. All right, heads up over here, just a little bit, heads up. Go ahead, Lindsay, let's see you do it, go ahead. Heads up, Lindsay. Oh, sorry, that bothered y'all. I'm sorry. I mean, that, that, that. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I don't know what's going to happen. Y'all still got your head? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think you get this one right here. It's not my turn. It's not your turn. Oh, you got it. You got it. Everybody clap. Whose is it? Oh, you got to go for that one. You got to go for that one. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, look at her. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. She's a keeper. She's a keeper. You know, as life goes on, you know, as a pastor, I have this giftedness. You know, it's a spiritual gift, a spiritual discernment where I can pick the best Jenga players out of a random audience and pick the ones who don't even do anything. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing, isn't it, Ricky? I mean, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> I didn't do that. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm like, we're on a clock. We only have so much video footage here. No, you let them lay there, man. Let them lay there. So did you know, give them a round of applause. Give them all a round of applause. That cost me one night of babysitting. I got it, but I'm good for it. Grandpa's good for it. That's good. So, so, so here, now just leave him laying there. Man. Yo, 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 dude, yo, dude. Y'all just want to clean up, man. Yeah, what's up? So listen, so here's the deal. The reason, this whole parable is about the Jenga game. Now you understand that you, what was the first parable I told you about? The five, two, one. How many bags of gold did one have? How many did the other one have? And how many did one... And the five bag and the two bag gold, they bring their stuff back to the master. And he says, what? Well done, good and good. And what did he say to the one that buried it? You wicked, lazy servant. They all call servants. 
But two of them are called well done, good, and faithful, and the other one's called wicked and lazy. Now, why would this have to do with Jenga? I'm telling you, I'm te this, is, this is true. That parable Jesus told was about Jenga. Now, you believe that? Do you believe that? This is yes, this is no, and this is I'm scared you're going to call on me to do something next. And you saw the sharks out flying, swimming in the backyard, and we're going to get you in there with some sharks. That's not what it is. So here's what it is. To me, I think Jesus knew Jenga was going to be a part of our life. Jenga was a, an example of our life. This is what our life is like in this world. It's like we sit here in this balance of trying to just move one block from the other and put it on top of the other and keep the thing from falling on us or during our time. For many of us, we try to balance a life with a, a child and a job and, a, and this and that, and then all of a sudden you get sick, and then all of a sudden it's just, oh, it all crumbles down. For some of us, it's our finances. Who do I pay this week with this little bit of money that I've got, and how do I do it without getting the creditors to come and get... you understand what I'm saying? Unfortunately, some of us are balancing some things that aren't good. How can I keep doing the lifestyle that I'm doing but keep going to church and act like I'm a good person but yet I've got all these issues going on and doing this and, and it's a hard balance. And all of a sudden it's all it's falling down on us. And if you play this game six or seven times and I've watched it happen it's at the brewery, they have these games down there at the brewery, they have these games at other places. But if you play this many times and it seems like this game always, when you move the block, it falls on you. You know what happens when they ask for a volunteer to play Jenga? You don't play. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't play. Because you go, I can't win, I can't. It's just always everything. And for many people in this world, they want to quit life. They want to stop doing certain things in life because it's just so hard. Just as soon as I think I got it going together, then, Lord, there comes cancer or there comes sickness or there comes my parent dying or there comes something else, and it just crumbles down, and I'm, I'm just in distraught. And I don't know what to do. So what I do is what any person would do. I take my game, and I pack it up, and I put it in the closet, and I don't play anymore. I can't balance serving in the church. I can't balance being a volunteer. I can't balance doing these things and work and everything else. So what I do, I just pack it up. And I put it in my closet. And I don't play anymore. That's the way a lot of us feel this day. A lot of us feel overwhelmed and so many things are going on. And I think Jesus knew that. I think sometimes we get caught up in the, the game of the blocks and the stuff. We lose sight of what we're doing. We're having a great time with people. We're playing a game. Three people were praying and laughing and sort of, you, you were united around this game, weren't you? I mean, there's something about it. You're playing the game. There's, there's four of you over here and you're, you're sort of doing this stuff and you're playing and you're a part of it. And, and I noticed that even though they're the competition, you're starting to help them, to point to them to do that because you want them to experience this. You want them to make it through and not quit. And I think Jesus knew that. You know where he learned it from or who he saw this stuff from? You know who he saw this behavior from and who he saw or who he anticipated this behavior from? His 12 closest disciples. Those people that followed him all the time. Listen to this story. One day in Matthew 24, it says this, Jesus left the temple 
and was walking away, and his disciples came up to him and called his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, I'm not sure if you know what the temple looks like. We've got a picture of it here, of the temple. Now, this is a, a, a rendition of it. There's an actual, not life-size, but a full model of what Jerusalem looked like in Jesus' day. That would be, when I was in Israel, it's a full model, scaled model, what they believe by the measurements and everything. And it would probably take up this whole area in a parking lot. So what you're looking at is that scaled model. Okay? But it's represented. But you see, that's what the temple would have looked like. That center portion with the middle high part, do you see the high part sitting up in the middle right up there in the top? It's got a little, it looks like gold around the top. That is the temple. And the back half of that, right back here in the back, is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is the area in that ground, in that patio area. You see those porticoes up there, like a patio area. And in that area, that's where people come to worship, the court of the Gentiles. And they would come and they would come and they'd worship here and they'd sacrifice and do these things and they'd make their sacrifices out here in this front area but inside of there was the sacred, the holy of all holies where the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And this is what Jesus and his disciples were walking around and in and among and through and all this stuff right here. And you see these retaining walls. Does everybody see the retaining walls? See the little steps coming down there? It looked like down at the bottom at the front of it. That's really a retaining wall. It's a, it's a retaining wall holding that back and then everything's built up. That's your foundation. That's your stuff. You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus says one day there's going to be a day when not any of these blocks, not one block will be on top of another. And he tells them this is going to happen. And so they pull him to the side later. But turn to the next screen. Let me see this. That's what it looks like today. This is actual footage. Do you see the background? Do you see the retaining wall up there? A little bit of grass growing up. Those are blocks that have been pushed off the side. Show another one. Give you perspective the size of there's a guy standing there you see the retaining wall it's clean on top now there is the dome of the rock now a muslim site that's up there now where the temple used to be and they leave these stones there because not one stone they could have picked this up they could have cleaned up this rubble they could have took care of this over the thousands of years since this destruction has happened to the temple they didn't as a reminder so now jesus his disciples they get up on the mount of olive right across the hill right across the valley about from here you know, maybe down to the stoplight down here, a little bit further, maybe to downtown Statesboro, maybe about a half a mile, maybe three-quarters of a mile. And they, they go across that valley, get up on the Mount of Olives, and they're up there, and they're, they're looking at this, and they pull Jesus aside and say, yo, dude, hey, when's all this going to happen? Is that the sign of the end of times? Is that when the end of times is going to happen, when all these stones come falling down, when all this stuff happens? Is that, is that when it's going to happen? Tell us when it's going to happen. We've got to know. We've got to go. We've got to know. We've got to know. We've got to go. Just got to know. Just got to know. And Jesus talks to him a little bit, and then he says this to him. He said, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. So, so, so I just want to understand, at that time, that time when this stuff happens, when the stones come off the top of them, when this temple isn't as beautiful as what it is, when the destruction of the temple happens, God's sanctuary, God's holy place, the dwelling place of God Almighty, when it comes tearing down, this is what people will behave like. Listen to what he says. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. And because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Say that with me. The love of most will grow cold. When will that happen? After all that destruction, after that temple comes, and after that, those rocks fall down. He says, but 
the one who stands firm to the end will be, what's that word? The one who stands firm to the end will be, and this gospel of the kingdom will preach, or will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So here's my question to you today. Why would people who love God, who are God's chosen people, who believe in Him and who have this rich, wonderful dwelling place of God where the Ark of the Covenant is seated, where, where they sacrifice and do all these things, why would these people of God walk away from their faith? Because it gets pushed over. Why would they turn away from their faith? Why would they, what Jesus says, they would betray each other? They would allow themselves to be deceived by false prophets. They would allow wickedness to just go so rampant and abound in the world, and they would do nothing about it. And why would they allow, why would those people allow the love, or their love, to grow cold? Let's change it to today. Why would people do that? Why would people because a building or a structure is destroyed. Why would that cause faithful people to stop being faithful, to stop loving God, to stop loving Him with their old heart? Why would uh, the, the, the fall of a building or rocks or the stone or the temple cause people to stop loving God? What would it take in your life to fall? And you'd quit loving Him. And your faith would dwindle to nothing. That wickedness would happen around you and you wouldn't step in. You might Snapchat it. You might say somebody or do something, but you just sit there and watch it. If you start becoming selfish, what would cause you to listen to whoever says it's not about them? You take care of you. You listen to the false prophets of the world say it's all about you and what you want. You got to take care of you before you take care of others. What would it take for that to happen today? What would it take for the wickedness to grow so crazy rampant and people live in a community and just put more bars up on their windows and make all kinds of things to defend themselves from this wickedness but do nothing to go out and stop it? What would it take for you to become like them? See, that's what I think this parable, the 521 parable is about too. Jesus ties these, because just in a few sentences, a few paragraphs, he ties these two together and starts telling the story about this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, that this stuff will happen. It's not whether if this stuff will happen, this stuff will happen. But let me give you an illustration of what's going to happen. One's going to be given something, five valuable bags of gold. Two valuable bags of gold, one valuable bag of gold. And the difference is two will do something. For how long will they do something? How long will they keep trying to grow it? How long will they keep trying to improve it? How long will they do it? Until the master comes back, even if that's a long time. But the one doesn't. One just says, I'm going to bury it and take what I've got. I'm going to take this life. I'm going to take this gift that God has given me, and I'm just going to put it in the ground and wait for him to come back and take me home. And they do nothing with it. And the love of most will grow cold. What would it take for you to be like that? 
What would it look, take for you to move from being a good and faithful servant to you being a wicked, lazy servant? Maybe you're already there. You don't know it. And it takes a few blocks to get your attention. And maybe God knew that with his temple. See, what I believe is that the good and faithful servant, the one that pleases the master, he doesn't forget. She doesn't forget. See, for me, when you don't forget, see, I'm thinking, what did they forget? What did the people who turn into cold love, the people who done this wickedness, what did the one talent or the one bag of gold man forget? He forgot who God was. Oh, yeah, he could spit out and say, oh, you reap where you don't sow and you gather where you don't scatter. But he forgot who God was. And in forgetting who God was, he forgot who he was. See, the people of that time, when they saw... That, now, you do understand. Can you go back to the screen, John, that goes back to the rocks fell down? I just want to give you this. And, and go back two more. I want to see that first one. Uh, right there. Do you see this temple? What you may or may not know, if you read Exodus and you read, um, well, actually not Exodus, you read in Kings is where you'll start to find where the temple was being built. And King Solomon built this temple, David's son. And as he built this temple, is it Solomon or Samuel? As he built this temple, he had certain instructions. The wood would be overlaid with gold. So if you had wooden columns and wooden... So look at all, look up at this ceiling here. Everybody look up. See that wood in that temple? That wood would be overlaid with solid gold. The finest gold there could be would be a golden ceiling. Every piece of article you see, this structure here would be overlaid with gold. Everything would be overlaid with gold. There would be um, uh, ornaments up there. They, would, they had actually a grapevine that they would keep adding to that was molded grapes and clusters of grapes and leaves and vines and it was made out of gold and as their wealth came in they melted it down and made this gold grapevine all around and so when the enemies came in and they tore this down and remember it's encased in stone it's encased in stone in order to kill God they burned it they burned the temple, and, and in that temple, when that wood on the inside of that gold caught on fire and it burned, it became like a huge furnace or an oven because it's contained inside of the bricks, and all that gold liquefied. And over time, as that gold liquefied, it began to run and go different places. You understand what liquid looks like. You understand what that would, could imagine that being like, right? And as it gets out and it cools, what does it do? It hardens. Back on top of the stones. And so now you come in there and you're greedy and you want that gold, so how do you get it? I push it off the edge of the cliff. Turn to the next one. Next slide. And I let them hit on the ground. And what happens to that gold? Breaks off and what I do? I rake the land. I steal the gold and take that. Now, they didn't know that's what was going to happen. It's just imaginable. They can't even imagine that, that hundreds of years and men's, tens of hundreds of thousands of men's labor, labor of hours to build this and all the things that went into it can be destroyed. They can't see it. Go back one picture, John. I'm sorry to keep working you, but they can't see the other for that's what they see. That's what they think it's going to be like, so it can't be done. Next slide. But it is done. 
Next slide. And they see it. And all of a sudden, all hope is gone. And my question is, why? Why, why would all hope leave? And I told you they forgot. Do you know what they forgot? They forgot who God is. See, they thought God was in the temple, which is right. But they forgot God is over the temple. They, they remembered, they, 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 they think God is in the temple, and they forgot God is of the temple. He's over it. God's not just in the world. He's the God of the world. God is not just in people. God is the God of people. God is not just in creation. He's the God of creation. God is not just in difficult times. God is the God of difficult times. God is not just in pain and suffering. God is the God of pain and suffering. God is not just a God in times when we've lost our ways. God is the God of the times that we've lost our ways. And they forgot they think it's in a building. Do you think by destroying that temple that God was destroyed? I'm sorry. No. I didn't get that same answer at the other place. <laughs> at the other campus I worshiped, they said yes. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I said, if this whole building right here burns, if this building was to burn and be destroyed tonight, did they destroy God? Because no. he's not just the God in the building, he's the God of the building. And when this happens to your life, God is in you, and those situations happen, but that doesn't destroy the God of you unless you choose to dig a hole. Pack up and bury what he's given you in the closet. And don't play anymore. And that's what's happening. I'm going to look you eyeball to eyeball. That's what's happening in many of your lives right there, in my life. I'm letting all this stuff of the world come in and tell me who I am, tell me how I should be, tell me it's about me, when I want to be generous and I want to be caring and I want to be loving, and the world tells me don't do it because it's going to hurt you, don't do it because it's just going to be one more block to fall and it's going to crumble down around you. Shame on me for listening. Shame on you for listening. See, what happens is when we quit, and what happens is when we believe God is only in the good or God is only in this situation and not the God of the situation, you get stuff going on at your work, and it's so overwhelming. This is what your life feels like. We talked yesterday. I love you. That's what we talked about. But he's the God of that. You are the one that he planted there. You are the one to be the light in that world that they can't see. They're watching you. They're watching you being overwhelmed with a, with a course schedule that would choke a dinosaur. And you're sitting there trying to figure out some of it was debt that far. Some of it was stuff going on. And they're watching us crumble. They're watching the light of the world diminish. They're watching the salt of the earth lose its saltiness. And when that happens, it's no good except for to throw it out and be trampled on. They're looking for us for hope. 
They're looking for the church, for hope, and the church isn't a building. The church isn't a structure. The church isn't because they're not in here, people. It's in you. It's not in that temple. God was never contained in that temple. He's the God of all things. He's the God of you. He's the God of these circumstances. And for many of us today, we just forgot. We forgot. But I got good news because I, I read this. You heard it. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. But the one who stands firm will be saved. Do, do you get that? The one who stands. That means some of us can stand firm. Somebody can stand firm. Somebody can stand there and take it and take it and take it and keep stacking it and keep going. Not because God is in them, because God is of them. You hurt me once, I'm coming back and I'm loving you again. You hurt me again, I'm coming back hurt. I'm, I'm coming back again. I'm not going to come back and hurt you, Ricky. I know you heard me mess up on that Freudian slip, but I didn't mean that. I mean, I'm just, Ricky's like, that's what I'm saying, man. I told you. Get them before they get you. That's not what I'm saying. He's the God of us. And it's not Joel, baby, listen to me. I mean, I'm telling you, you sing it every... It is not just words, is it? I'm the God of this nation. I'm the God of these people. You are. And we forgot. School happens. I'm looking at the back row of people, their parents and schools, they're like, crap, you don't understand? We've been in school for two weeks. You know what it's like to get everything on schedule and to do this and do that and get this and get that? You understand? And I, just, and I just want to come and say, come on, I'll help you. Hey, could you hand me that one right there? Could you hand me these right here? Thank you, man. Got us some more on them. Thank you so much. Thank you, Preston, for helping. Thank you, guys. And we do just what we did. We enlist other people to help. If you don't know how to pick them up yourself, go ask the banker. If you don't know how to do it yourself, if you don't know how to do what God's given you life, enlist some other people to help you. Look how kind they are. It's not because I'm just, they just, they want to help. People want to help. People want to help. People want hope. It's not because the building was destroyed. It's because people forgot. And so I think God in his creative way created Jenga. He created Jenga and a crazy pastor to make the connection between Jenga and all the stones and all the things won't be on top of one another and crazy pastor and a crazy congregation that would sit there and participate in it as he tried to say this is us and this is what the kingdom looks like let's be the ones who stand firm and we'll be saved in the end and when we do that it says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world what we do will be a testimony that lasts past our lives it will be a testimony to the world and to all nations.
Nini ni mukama? The writer of 1 Peter, which I'm assuming is Peter, writing a letter, some people said this. It's really cool. But you are chosen people. Get that? You are a chosen people. Those servants that he gave the money to, the five, two, and one, he chose them. I'm sure they might have been volunteering. Hey, give me five bags of gold. Give me, no, 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 no. That's not the way, the way it worked. What did he say? He chose who he gave the bags of gold to according to their ability. They were chosen. See, they forgot. See, sometimes when we get to be servants, we forgot where we came from. The reason we don't give mercy to others is we've forgotten that we were given mercy before. The reason that we are distraught in some of these things is we've forgotten what God has done for us. Some of you have been in financial positions before that would be, it's terrible, right? And did God bring you through it? And it wasn't a lottery ticket. You got me? Oh, God told me those six numbers to pick on that one, and I got that one right. Yeah, you might have, but it's probably more of some of the other stuff that you did. He says, you, Peter says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Can y'all read that with me? And I want, I, I, I just, can we say this out loud? But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Let's just hold right there. Now, look at that person sitting beside you. That's you. Remember it says you. But here's something else I want you to understand. Yeah, it's them, but it's me. So this time, replace the word you with I am and say this with me. I am a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I'm going to say that again. Repeat after me. I am a chosen people. Wait a minute. This is the way it goes. When I say repeat after me, it wait, means wait till I say. Okay, repeat after me. I am a chosen people. I am a royal priesthood. I am part of the holy nation. And I am God's special possession. How'd that make you feel? Just saying it sometimes starts to stir up in us what we've forgotten. Won't purpose in your life? That you may go and declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. See, this whole story says, remember, you was once in the dark. You was once running around, groping and doing things and couldn't figure out things and doing things, but you aren't. You're in the light now. In fact, you're becoming the light. Yeah, it makes you squirm, doesn't it? I know you, brother. But it's the truth, man, isn't it? Once you were not a people, once you were like, you, 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 you couldn't even say who was part of you. You were so isolated, you were so, you understand when you're not a people, that means it's all about an island of me. That's about as selfish as you can get. See, you, you ain't a people. When you aren't a people, it's because you're so freaking selfish, 
you don't know that other people exist except to serve you and do what you want them to do. Once you had not received mercy. Remember I told you that earlier? You've forgotten what mercy you received because you got the opportunity for eternal life. But now you've received mercy. So how do we stop the world from, from cold love taking over the world? You see this five and two and one parable that we gave out $5 bills for a couple of weeks ago and said go out and challenge you to try to do something. Isn't about the money. It's about how you take things and how serious you take things. Because here's the challenge. God's given you five times of redemption. Can you go give it and double it to somebody else? God's given you two times of redemption and love and mercy. Can you go give that to somebody else? God's given you one time. Can you go out and increase that to somebody else? God's given you mercy and forgiveness. Can you go out and get it? God's helped you out in times. People's been generous to you and loved you. Can you go do the same? Or you think because you're outside this building and these walls that the love of God doesn't exist but in this room. People in the sound of my voice hear this. The love of God does exist in the world because it exists in you to take to the world. So go and get your bag and unpack them and take your Jenga blocks back out and start stacking them again and start playing and as you're playing and you're doing life with people and things happen encourage them in their situation encourage them when there's turn to do something that may fall and encourage them and if it falls during their turn what are you going to do pick them back up and start again and we're going to laugh and we're going to have a good time and we're going to encourage you to get back up don't you quit don't go home don't quit let's play let's do this again and we're going to get to know each other on the trip because you are chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. You are God's special possession. As I used to say a long time ago in an old commercial, and that's the truth that will set you free. Let us pray.